Welcome to Office Baggage, where two corporate women unpack our week in business. Every week, co-hosts Ray Parent and Marcy Tweet tackle the WTF business topics you want to talk about on every rung of the business ladder. Bring your baggage. We'll We'll unpack it. This week on Office Baggage. Ray is back with us, and we're catching up on everything that's happened with Ray and Marcy through the COVID-19 crisis. Hey, Ray. Hey, Marcy. You're back. I was going to say we're back, but I have been here. (laughs) You have, and I will be on my best behavior because I'm a little worried that I've gotten fired. You have not been fired. Um, someone asked me if I, to use our term, buried you in the backyard, which I did not. <laughs> you are alive and well and out on the East Coast. You have just been otherwise occupied, and I have not wanted to ask for your very precious time, but it was time. You know, I was definitely one of those idiots who, when quarantine started, decided that I would make the most of it. And I had this incredible list, like finally learn how to play the piano and um, maybe, maybe start to paint a little bit again, or maybe start to write a little bit again. And, you know, things I just wanted to do for a very long time. And literally here we are 10 weeks in, I don't think piano or painting. I don't think I remember how to put a bra on. (laughs) This whole bra thing, I, you know, as a, as a, you know, double plus D owner of my breasts, I do not understand all the memes about never putting a bra on again, because I can't live without a bra. I, I I really can't. It is like life necessity for me. And so I do feel jealous of all you, you know, teeny, teeny tittied girls who don't have to put a bra on. I have to have a bra on. Well, um, there, there will always be um, a large part of me that is envious of people <laughs> who need one. I don't happen to be one of those people. So yeah, it's, uh, there's things about returning to the office that are going to be very challenging and I'm going to need to practice. I definitely think, getting I think offices are going to be more casual after this. I think this, that will be a product of this. I think so too. We're talking about our return to work strategy now. I think as we've talked about on the podcast, I'm in Maryland and our governor is no joke when it comes to this. He's exceptionally cautious. He's provided um, wonderful perspective uh, throughout the crisis. And so we are just now starting to think about releasing restrictions and that'll be happening in in the near term. Uh, So we are talking about returning to the office probably in the June timeframe, doing so in waves that have meaningfully reduced capacity. Um, but I, you know, I, I know what wave I'm in. I'm trying to figure out if I actually go in because of course it's all voluntary at this point. Right. Um, and I'm like, okay, if, if my week back, if my first wave is June 15th, like I got to put heels on, on June 6th and I got to practice a couple laps. <laughs> I've got to react. Like, I don't think I could actually get lipstick on my lips. <laughs> it would be like when you try to do it when you're eight and it's like kind of on your cheek and stuff. Yes. Yeah. It's, I think it's going to be really hard. It's funny, um, you know, as you know, and our listeners know, I've been working from home for a couple of almost, it's been on and off for two years now. Um, and having to put on real clothes and not just, I put on real clothes. Like I, I actually am probably 
on the spectrum of everybody in this, I tend to get ready more often than most. Like I am the kind of person who, if I don't take a shower first thing in the morning, I'm not functional. Like I have to blast myself with some water. So I do put a little bit of makeup on and, and, you know, put some clothes on and all that kind of stuff. But going back to like putting on nice clothes and like dress shoes, I don't know. (laughs) So hard. So hard. Well, you know, so many of us right now are doing Zoom calls for work mm-hmm. and it's, it's really cool. Look, as someone who's worked in technology, there's been dialogue for the last five to 10 years about what will be the tipping, tipping point for digital and scale remote work in some of these long tenured financial institutions where I tend to be, yep. where remote work is accepted kind of as a one-off, but it's not something done at scale. And so that's changing, which is really cool to watch. There was always dialogue around what will be the tipping point. We have all these different headwinds in the industry. What will be the tipping point? I don't think any of us would have guessed it's a, some dude eating a bat. So that's fascinating. Now we're all on video for things because, candidly, we were using a technology at our firm that just couldn't keep pace with the amount of video we wanted. We switched to Zoom, as I think a lot of firms have done. Um, and so now we're all on video. And there is a degree of, okay, like I can't roll up in my pajamas, which I wouldn't have done anyway, but it is to your point on offices being more casual. We've all seen each other every day in not a stitch of makeup, jeans and a t-shirt. It's been interesting to watch people go from, let's make sure there's no distractions in my background to, you know what, if my kid is sitting on my lap, I can still be productive in this meeting. I certainly have had a lot of that. So it's, I just feel like we're in the middle of this really cool case study around digital transformation in the workplace. So it's interesting that you say that because I think on the other side, you're talking about digital transformation. I also feel like there's a transformation happening in kind of what I work on in corporate responsibility and ethics that is making companies more human than they've ever had to be before because there really is no substitute for seeing people's homes. You are seeing people in their environment, with their children, with their pets. You can't help those interruptions. And suddenly this sense of, you know, I have this coworker named Julie and she has three children and I have to be respectful of Julie because she has three children, suddenly becomes, these are Julie's three children and I see them sometimes and they're in this mix and it makes us more humanly connected to one another. Um, The best thing I've listened to, I think I'm, I'm telling everybody about this, the best thing I've listened to over the last two weeks. Um, Adam Grant has this podcast, Work Life. Um, he did, it's a TED podcast. And Adam Grant, as, as you know, and I'll tell our listeners, is the guy who wrote Give and Take. And he wrote Plan B with Sheryl Sandberg. Um, anyway, Adam Grant, great podcast. But his podcast last week, so mid-May, was the science of work from home. And there was a someone on it, I don't know if he said it or if the guy he was interviewing said it, that he said, he asks his employees, if you're comfortable, I'd love a tour of your space. Like, I'd love to see where you work, you know? And if, if I turned my camera to the left, you would see that I have my Hillary Clinton book sitting here and you would see, you know, that my piano is to my right. And just in that like two minutes, if you did that with a staff member, you would learn so much more about them and they become more human to you and to each other in the workplace. I love that idea. I have to go back and listen to that um, podcast. And one of the things I'm behind on right now, it, it everybody is <laughs> right. So there's, there's that there's here is my space, but then there's also 
to your point on the, the children coming in and the humanity of it, it's, it feels so much more safe for me now to be able to say things like, hey, I have a two hour block in the morning from nine to 11 where I make sure that I'm tutoring my kids and spending time helping them through the things that they need help on. And I, I can't imagine me from 13, 14 weeks ago saying that, yep. but everybody is doing it. And as I look deeper into my organization and deeper into any organization, you have people who are trying to homeschool their children and do their job off of one or two devices. We're privileged enough here. Each of my kids has their own device. We've got, I've got two or three. My husband has two or three. There are families who are trying to do this with one. Yes, and exactly. watching the organization kind of morph and project teams and work sales morph to accommodate the fact that this person's out of pocket for two hours here and that person's out of pocket for two hours there. The grace that quite frankly, a lot of people without children or single people are extending to shift their work day to accommodate has been just really cool to watch. It is. And I think people are being, not that we were lying before because we weren't, but people are being more honest. I mean, I had a podcast scheduled the other day. And as you know, we, Charlie and I live in a loft and we don't have doors other than the bathrooms in our loft. So we are often on the phone at the same time and that's fine. You know, I don't mind having my headphones and he has his headphones. And if somebody's talking to us, they might be able to hear the other person wah, wah, wah in the background. But if I'm recording a podcast, I can't have him talking. And if he's on a very important phone call, so every day we kind of sit down and we go, what are your calls? What are my calls? When do I need to be outside? Or do I need to, you know, how do I need to, to balance this? And the other day I had a podcast recording scheduled and Charlie didn't realize that his CEO was going to be on a call. I need you to be quiet. I didn't realize my CEO was going to be on this call. I'm probably going to have to talk more than I thought I would because of that. And I reached out to the person I was podcasting with and I told her the truth. Like normally I would have said, oh, I'm so sorry. Something came up. Could we move till tomorrow? Whatever. And I wrote her a message and said, my husband just found out his CEO is going to be on a call at the same time. He needs to talk. He can't be quiet. Can we? And she and I ended up recording and we had this like lovely discussion for 20 minutes beforehand about what her husband does and what my husband does. It brought us closer because I was like, listen, here's the, here's where I really am. Yeah. You know, you can't say, oh, sorry, something came up anymore. We're very honest, I think, about my kids are, things aren't working with my kids. I need an hour or, you know, this is my husband and I have to balance who's, who's talking at the same time. Like, it's just, yeah, it's good, I think, for us to be upfront and honest with one another about what's happening. I agree. I agree. It's just that the days are so packed and so intense. I mean, I'm, I'm starting my work day six o'clock in the morning, working with the London team until nine, then homeschooling until 11 or 12, then back to working from noon to seven or eight at night. It's, it's um, without the grace that people are extending to understand that schedule. I'm not sure how I could mask it all. I'm not yeah. sure how I could pull it off. Yeah. And hopefully this, this does pull the veil back on some of those issues because yes, you're dealing with that now, but women have always been carrying the emotional labor load in a normal time frame, right? If the truth is, if you're in most families, if your kid gets sick at school, they call mom and not dad. If there's an issue and somebody needs to talk to the nanny or the teacher or whatever that is, they're calling mom and not dad. And so I hope this is pulling the veil back 
on some of what mothers are dealing with too. I, I think it very much is. Um, and it's good. It's, it's time. It's, it was happening anyway, but this situation has been an accelerant in so many ways. And look, I don't like this situation. Um, I wouldn't, I don't want to be in the situation that we're in. I think yeah. you and I chatted before we started recording, like the problems that we have, that I have in my home, that you're having in your home are incredibly champagne soaked first world problems to have right. in an environment like this. Um, there is, there's a decent amount of good and, and positivity though, that's, that's going on amidst all this muck. There is, I think, you know, one of the things I said, I put an Instagram story up, I think the first week of all of this, that I couldn't believe how nice people were to each other in Target. Um, I think I told this story on the podcast of like a woman who said to me, do you know where the coffee is at Target? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't. And then she walked two aisles down, found a Target guy, asked him where the coffee was. He told her and she walked back and, you know, I was 40 feet from her down the aisle and she was like, it's in aisle nine, you know, kind of waved at me. And it's like, shit like that doesn't happen normally. We are not nice to each other. I mean, unless you live in, you know, Minnesota, Um, (laughs) we're not like that. And I have found that that continues that, you know, at the dog park, we take Pearl to a dog park. You, you know, you stand six, 10 feet away from people, but people talk a lot more than they used to. How are you? You know, oh, she's so cute and blah, blah, blah. And you have the conversations. I hope that continues too. I hope it does. You know, we saw a little bit of this after 9-11. Yeah. It's kind of, we're, we're all in this strange time together. Um, I anaphylactically reject the statement. We're all in the same boat. We're not in the same boat. No. I, am in a, I am in a very different boat than a lot of people, but we are all in the same storm. Right. And that that brings about just a lot of, a lot of grace and a lot of kindness. Um, I, I do. I, I hope love it that. continues. We, you should coin that phrase. We are not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. Nice it just, job, it makes me, Ray. It makes me so angry, particularly the celebrities on Instagram and stuff that are like, we're all in this together from their like swimming yeah. pool. Like, no, there's people who are living in a one bedroom apartment um, or they have roommates and they yeah. can't get, they don't have an outdoor space. Um, you know, I think of some of the people in the city who are in high rise buildings who, yes. you know, if you're on the 30th floor, you need to take an elevator down. Like again. Yeah. Nothing annoys me. The, that annoys me. And then when people, I keep seeing, it's funny. I have some people on Facebook who keep posting these memes about Anne Frank that are like, if Anne Frank could stay in an attic for how many days you can sit at your house and watch Netflix. And it's like, yes, you're right. Your privileged situation is nothing like Anne Frank, but you know, blocks from me in a high rise building, there might be four guys sharing a one bedroom apartment, all of whom have lost their jobs and aren't sure how they're going to keep their houses. Their parents might have the ability, not have the ability to even have them come home and support them. They might not even have parents. Those guys, yes, we are not in a war where they have to worry about being killed by Hitler, but for Christ's sake, like this is dire for a lot of people. And we have to think about those people. Yeah. And look at, I don't care how much time has passed. We don't do Holocaust analogies. Nope. Thank you. (laughs) Genocide. And and it's not just the Holocaust. Genocide analogies should not be used because anybody feels oppressed about wearing a mask to Costco. 
Exactly. Like, it's nope. on both sides. It's people on the privileged side and people who are arguing that, you know, we're, that we're taking away people's rights and all of that. Well, it's so funny. One of our, um, one of our best friends from, I have not responded to her text yet because she sent me this text. I'll read it. Um, hi, Amanda. She sent me this text right before we started today. It said, who knew that when Republicans drank my liberal tears, it would turn me pro-life and them pro-choice. <laughs> It's so funny. Like you watch these people who are like, you can't control my body. You can't tell me what to do. And it's like, oh, like the thing that you've been trying to control for women for, I don't know, centuries. So stupid. Yeah. The, um, the hypocrisy in the situation is absolutely rampant. I did reach a point and it was the point where, um, there was a ton of media attention to a certain press conference that had to do with injecting light or injecting disinfectant to the body where I, and I know you're going to be mad at me for this, Marcy, and I don't care. was like, peace out. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. No more news. I can't anymore. And that's when I started watching ridiculously lowbrow things on Netflix. And I have to say, I've been a much happier person since. I, we turn it on for a very short period of time. Like at the end of the day, I'll say to Charlie, like, should we turn on and see what the moron did today? And like, that's how I feel. And we'll turn it on and I'll watch like, you know, cause they're all on, on CNN. It's like, you know, Aaron Burnett followed by Anderson, followed by Cuomo, followed by Don Lemon. And you only have to catch 20 minutes of any of the four because it's the yeah. same thing it's just um, an echo chamber over like, and over I, no argument it's an echo chamber just no so it's like let's just watch 20 minutes of it and then we'll turn it off um it's i just, get my yeah. trump news 100 percent from sarah cooper the comedian i don't know her okay add her to your instagram but okay. every other day she does a post on instagram probably on other social media as well where she voices over she doesn't voice over trump is playing in the background yeah and she's mouthing along with what he's saying <laughs> and you know she's got a very she's in a suit she's doing it in a very professional posture you know so the one recently about oh i think um, i have seen if you her. test more people you have more cases we're testing more people than everyone so you know the media doesn't talk about that so you have to that's where i find out what trump has done oh that's so funny I yeah will... it's I'll link her in the show notes. I do think I know who you're talking about. That's awesome. I have a team in the UK and that's where they get their Trump news as well. So I got, I got their, uh, I got their recommendation on that. How is it working with people internationally right now? You know, are other, how are other countries feeling? I guess that's a really broad question, but <laughs> I will on a second party basis speak on behalf of the entire country. Of England. No, but like, how is it for yeah. you being someone in yeah. the U S and we're seen as a, I think other countries are seeing us as a hotbed, right? For yes. Yeah. A how is it for first... you having those conversations outside? So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting to talk about what other folks are going through. I have a team that's broadly based across Asia and it, in certain geographies there, they are starting to go back to work more in a second wave approach. So 50-50 on uh, social distancing and whatnot, mm -hmm. masks in the office. Um, and so they're a little bit further along than we are. And I have to be very mindful of where they are. For my team in the UK, they're a London-based team. Mm -hmm. And they can't 
get into the office without using public transportation, which of course is packed. Right. And so as we talk about returning to work here in the States and, you know, what does that look like for us? That looks like getting in our car, going to a parking garage, maybe taking the stairs as opposed to the elevator to our office. Um, they see it very, very differently. So trying to balance what that disruption looks like across multiple different geographies is, is interesting. They do definitely see us as a hotbed. And they do, from their news sources, see, um, like, like I think a lot of news sources show, one of the more uh, newsworthy tales, which are the protests, the get mm -hmm. us back to work, the states that are opening maybe sooner rather than later. So, you know, it's really interesting to have conversations with those teams because they ask, like, is that really what's going on? Like, no, most reasonable people are still quarantined. Right. There's a... And this is true of, of any, not just crisis, but big news. There's always a, a, a loud minority, right? And that, yeah. that's what these folks are, is a very loud minority, which is hard. It is hard, but look, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the attention grabbing stuff. That's what, mm -hmm. you know, when the news cycle is competing with Tiger King and Never Have I Ever and... Yeah. Uh, normal people, um, you know, the news cycle is going to go to the, to the loud minority because mm -hmm. it gets views. Okay. So let's talk about what we've been watching on Netflix because you oh, mentioned, Jesus. well, Tiger King is kind of old, but everybody's watched Tiger King. We get it. But Carol can we Baskin. just for a second, like, <laughs> I get that it's fun to hate Carol Baskin. Like I totally get it. Um, but I just think it's so interesting that that show is about a bunch of dudes who abuse animals, do a massive amount of drugs. Yeah. They've had like, they're, two of them are in jail or have been in jail. There was a guy who popped on who was like in jail, but he didn't feel like he really murdered the person. He just helped cut up the body. Right. Um, so there's, these are, it's the bottom of the barrel of humanity. Tiger King himself is in jail right now for a murder for hire plot to kill this woman, Carol Baskin. And the internet hates Carol Baskin. <laughs> That's, you, you make a very crime is probably, I mean, probably her killing husband, her. Her first husband disappeared, but her first husband picked her up on the side of the road when she was 19 years old. Right. He was married with children at the time. Like, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't want to be friends with Carol Baskin. But like, if she killed her husband and fed him to the tigers, whatever. <laughs> We've like, all wanted to at some If we had yes. a tiger, if everybody had a tiger, there would be a lot more dead husbands. Yes. Yes. Tell me there's not some guy you dated or were with when you were 19 or 20 that you wouldn't have tossed to the Tigers if you had the opportunity. Well, I think, I think at the end of the day, Carol Baskin is okay. Um, my, a dear friend of mine who listens to this podcast, I won't say her name, but hello is down in Florida and she sees Carol Baskin riding her bike around near their house in Florida. So Carol, I think Carol's okay. I think Carol's going to be all right. Um, it's, I think this probably, you know, is what it is, but yeah, right. I, you know, and leave it to me to take something completely stupid and turn it into a feminism issue. But uh, you know, I just find it funny how everything that's animal print is now like Carol Baskin, you know, it's like <laughs> so funny. I love it. 
So I was a Tiger King resistor for a long time. Yeah. Charlie was too. And then he like got sucked in. Oh my God. It is. It's so bad. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Okay. So Tiger office baggage officially recommends Tiger King. (laughs) Yes. What's next? I mean, I would put Never Have I Ever at the top of the list. You have, have you finished it or are you just start, you're in the middle? Oh no, I finished it. Okay, good. So I Never Have I Ever, it. Mindy Kaling's new show, which does not have Mindy Kaling in it, but it was written and produced by Mindy Kaling. So good. So you good. Know, I, when I looked at it, it's a high school kind of coming of age um, dramedy. Um, it's, the main character is an Indian young woman named Davy. Uh, she has a biracial lesbian friend, and she has an Asian theater-going friend. And when I think about it, I can't think of like one white person in the the love interest is Asian. Right. The hot guy isn't the blonde-haired, blue-eyed soccer player. He's an Asian guy. The interest, I read the other day that he was, the, he was supposed to be white. And then they, they cast the actor that they cast as him. And because he's Asian, they made, they made the character part Asian, which I found kind of interesting. So yeah, they really have done a great job with that. They really have. Look at, I, I, so there's one Jewish male character Yep. who I wish they would have done more with. And I'm sure they'll have a second season. He has a very interesting arc. He starts off as Dady's nemesis. They have a very interesting arc. I won't spoil it. Um, you start to see him become less of a rich Jewish kid stereotype, which has yep. been done um, over and over and over again. I feel like a lot of the characters had a decent amount of depth yes. and kind of stereotype challenging things, except for him. Um, it's, and that was a little bit annoying to me, but I'm really hopeful for season two. And can I just tell you, well, you know, cause you've watched it. It's so goddamn funny. It is. I feel like it's the perfect combination of funny and touching. And, you know, I can't watch crap like this is us and, you know, stuff like that. It's just too much emotional baggage for me. And I also don't love, like you love like Shit's Creek and some of those, <laughs> and those, those don't interest me either, but these that like come in the middle and have like touching and very funny and yet touching. That's my kind of show. I like it. Yeah. Although I do have to, if anybody listening hasn't watched Shit's Creek, it's- Charlie loves uh, this and so do you. Char- yes. Charlie and I might, when you guys come visit us in July, <laughs> Charlie and I might just have an entire Shit's Creek conversation. Yes, I'm sure. He loves that show. Fantastic. I, have ordered, I just oh, let him know I ordered a rose apothecary face mask. Okay. <laughs> I will tell him. Um, I also just do you watch Working Moms? No. The Canadian, I, it's Canadian sofa. You would love this show. Working Moms is fantastic. It's four seasons in. They're little half-hour snippets. Um just a real picture of, of real motherhood and what it looks like. And the women who are on this show are so funny. Their fourth season just came out and I binged that. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's got to um, go on your list. Really good. Yeah, I, I just added that. And there's been a couple things I started and stopped. But you recommended a book to me a while ago. You recommended um, Samantha Irby. Samantha Irby. Wow, no thank you. And it is a pseudo memoir. She does a bunch of 
small memoir-like chapters, and they're yep. all hilarious. But she talks about her time as a cast writer for a show called Shrill. Yes. And I was very interested in Shrill on Hulu, so I watched it, and I loved it. Like, it was a stay-up-all-night kind of thing, regretted in the morning. That's awesome. Um, because it is exactly what you said. Like, one second you're laughing really hard, and then the next second it's like a gut punch. And those gut punches are around her body size and how the world treats her. Yeah. And, and one I'm, of the things I'm, I love about it is it's not about her deciding to go on a diet and get skinny, yeah. which is bullshit. Yeah. I've wanted to watch it and, you know, I've wondered about whether or not they would get the like fat girl thing right. Um, and you, you've said enough to me that I need to watch it. It needs to be on my binge for, for this weekend. Actually, it's supposed to rain tomorrow all day in Chicago. So maybe that's what I'll do tomorrow. Well, I'm really interested in your perspective as on if they got the fat girl mm -hmm. thing right. Now, there's everybody's experience is different. So I'm sure there's going to be things that are a little off. But I think I texted you at one point, like, this felt like a gut punch to me. Yeah. Um, and usually that's an indicator that they got it right. Um, because, you know, things, uh, yeah. people tend to shy away from that. So I just, I'm, I'm really super interested in your perspective. So we just had an interruption from Maya, which I'm sure that Marcy has cut out. One of the things that has happened to me over the last 10 weeks is that my home has turned into a menagerie. So on the first week of quarantine, I came downstairs from a work meeting and there was a golden retriever asleep in my living room on the couch. And Oh God. Uh, and you guys have two dogs, but they are chocolate labs. <laughs> neither is a golden retriever. So I'm like, uh, children. And they're like, Oh, that's fluff. And I'm like, okay, who, what, what? Long story short, the neighbor's golden retriever. We had no idea who this dog belonged to. It's the neighbor's golden retriever. Her name is Callie. She's 10 years old. Uh, recently a puppy has been integrated to her home. And she decided she was done. So she comes over to our house frequently, <laughs> takes naps. We've completely accepted it. Oh, God. I love it. We also have um, a little pond and a little creek just 200 yards from our house. Mm -hmm. And the kids have been going down there, and it's been great. They just they go out and they do kid shit all afternoon. Yeah. They ride their bikes. They play in the creek. They Whatever. So... We have a bucket of salamanders in our garage. We have fish, which are the old fish from the kind of koi pond we had in the house that we had to fill in because of the stupid dogs that we have. Uh, so those are living in a tank in our garage, along with certain fish from the lake and the creek. And then yesterday in the morning, they found a teeny tiny little baby turtle. Oh my God. <laughs> and Luke got pissed because he wanted to name the turtle Donatello and Maya wanted to name the turtle Shirley. And I have referred to the turtle as God damn it. So oh they went God. back to the creek, got a second turtle. This one is Donatello. So we have Donatello and Shirley. I call them God damn it and Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then today, Duncan is losing his mind out in the, in the driveway in front of our house. And I go out there and look with Maya and he has a turtle in the driveway. Like a, yet another a turtle. 
a big turtle though. So goddammit and Jesus Christ are like one inch shells. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Who they're calling biscuit <laughs> is like a six inch turtle. And Maya is convinced that this is the mother of goddammit and Jesus Christ. And sorry, I have to stop saying that. Um, <laughs> and then it like made the trek 200 yards to find its babies. And I'm like, look at that turtle's been quarantined with those kids for 10 weeks. It would let the babies go for a few days. <laughs> so now we have three turtles. Maya came in to see if she could use, you know, my top of the line baking ware to make a terrarium. And I'm like, knock yourself go out. Ahead. I don't care anymore. Do your thing, man. Do your thing. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You're going to go upstairs. She'd have like a $200 La Crusette out with the turtles in it. <laughs> mommy, mommy, look. <laughs> Oh, and then Chris ordered oh, the terrarium and my mother-in-law was like, oh, so yeah, this is the, so when they had the salamanders, there were some toads in there for a while. I'm not sure what happened. Either one escaped or the dog ate it. No one will tell me the truth. Um, and the fish, I made the statement, I am not having these things live in a bucket in my garage until the end of time. <laughs> okay. Now. To a normal person, that would mean enjoy them for a week and then take them back to the lake or the pond. Right. To my husband and my children, it meant get mom a fish tank and a terrarium for Mother's Day. Oh, God. <laughs> Not what you wanted. Yes. And now my yeah. mother-in-law is getting Maya another terrarium for her birthday because apparently the goddamn turtles need a summer home. I don't know. Oh, my Lord. That's funny. Yeah. It I is mean, pretty funny. It, it's a, it's so funny. I was trying to like, there's a, I feel like it's an SNL skit or maybe it was like old mad TV where somebody was like, it's a menagerie. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel like that's what you're living in right now. A menagerie. So your household has expanded too. It has. I have a new puppy who is growing up to be more of a dog and less of a puppy every day. She just gets bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. um, her name is Pearl and she is so wonderful. Yeah, I'm just in heaven. She's, a, she's the best. She's, she's the best. a really good dog. I We have hit the dog jackpot with this dog. Um and, and really, I, you know, the truth is she's, I hope, feels that she's hit the, the family jackpot with us. So she was surrendered to um, Chicago Animal Control with, I think it's four other, I think there were five of them total. Um, and there was another surrender from the same people like a month earlier of three dogs. So we think it was a dog hoarding situation is maybe what had happened. All we have listed for her is sister didn't have time too many dogs so um there's reason to believe it was probably a dog hoarder and that her family came and took these dogs she was this was in january they say that they were born in september so she was like three or four months old at that point she was skinny and you know clearly these dogs had not either they'd been in a kennel or they'd just been, you know, they had not been really taken well care of. And so the rescue that we got her from, she was in a great foster home for a, a few weeks and she got spayed and all of that kind of stuff. And then when we picked her up, she was like eight pounds. She's now almost 12 pounds in eight weeks that we've had her. She eats organic, you know, raw food and she eats, you know, and she has like 15 beds and all 
like, you know, bones that we buy her from a food truck in Chicago. Like, <laughs> this dog is, is so spoiled, but she is, she's just a great dog. She's a little, I, I sometimes call her kitten because she's more like a cat than a dog. She just wants to be on your lap all the time. But, you know, when we first got her, we would take her outside and she was so scared. A woman at the dog park asked me if they cut off her tail, which... <gasps> They had not. She just had it tucked between her legs permanently. But now she goes to the dog park and she bosses around the big dogs and mm. she tells them what's what. And it's just been so rewarding and what a wonderful time. We got her two days before the stay-at-home order was put in place. And what a wonderful time to have a dog. A lot of families are using this time to go to the shelters and get the animal that yeah. they've wanted to get for a while. And that's one of the really nice things that's been happening. It has. We've heard from both our rescue that we got her from and other rescues in Chicago that they have seen unprecedented amounts of people wanting to adopt, but also foster. Um, yeah. I have a, a good friend who, who I used to work with who lives alone and she's fostering a cat right now. And it's just been a great, I think she'll probably keep the cat. Um, but it's Foster been, failure. No, but it's been a great, you know, great opportunity for some of these people to get an animal in their homes and, and at least test it out as a foster um, to see if it will work with your lifestyle. My big fear, and I think a lot of these rescues fear is when things go back to normal, that there are a lot of surrenders of those dogs. You know, we had made the decision to get Pearl long before we thought there would be a pandemic, but um so hopefully everything works out and those dogs continue to have permanent homes when this is over. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, one of the awful things about this situation is as people lose their jobs and try to figure out how to make ends meet, yeah. there's an increase in animal surrenders, which is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, because, you know, in some instances that the animal was never wanted or was not mm -hmm. treated well, which unfortunately is the situation with Pearl, it's certainly the case with my two knuckleheads. But um you know, in some cases, a family is heartbroken because they just can't feed this poor animal. So right. it's just, we can find the silver lining, but sometimes it's hard. It's so hard. There's a rescue in Chicago that um, a friend of ours adopted her dog through, um, I adopted through a live rescue. And um, one of our friends adopted her dog through a very fun rescue called Tiny and Tall. And they're, they specialize in really big dogs and really small dogs, which is like the hilarious thing. But big dogs like Great Danes, for instance, eat an enormous amount of food and keeping those dogs fed is really difficult. So they've seen from what I've heard, and I've heard this from Paws and other rescues as well, there's been an increase in surrender in very large dogs because of how much it costs to um, feed them. And those dogs are hard to get fosters for and, and homes for as well. So if you have a home that will accommodate a big beast, get one. <sighs> You're like, I can, don't do it. <laughs> I can attest to the fact that the large ones eat a lot. Bella is a normal-sized chocolate lab, but we call Duncan Dunky because he is the size of one, and he just, God, they eat so goddamn much. I know. And that's, we've, I can't imagine, like, I know people who feed their, like, golden retrievers this, like, we use the farmer's dog, which is a, you know, organic whatever food company. Like I couldn't afford to feed Pearl that from that if she were 80 pounds. Jesus Lord. It's expensive. Right. Um, right. you know, but it is, it is what it is. So I feel very lucky and very privileged to be able to do stupid shit, like buy my dog organic food. 
look at your, I can't wait to meet her. I know. I'm so excited. She's just, she's the best. She's really, really good. And she's doing well. I mean, training is going well and, you know, still working on fully a hundred percent at potty training, but we're, we're pretty close. So it's good. Yeah. I hear it takes the small dogs a little longer. I've not, I've never yeah, small I dog. mean, it's been, that's, you know, I think that she pees all the time outside, but not always number two outside. So we're working on it. Yeah. And we failed miserably. I let her in the bed. So she's been sleeping in the bed. And now we're trying to transition back to some crate sleeping. And it's, it's, um, it, we're failing. <laughs> Look at, they're like kids. You give in one out of a hundred times. They like those odds. I know. I know. So, so it, you know, she's getting better at that. The thing is like, what we've realized is now she'll get up in the middle of the night and go like poop. She'll go downstairs and poop on the floor in the middle of the night. And I'm like, dang it. Like you can't, you know, you need to sleep in your kennel if you're not going to stay in the bed with us. So we're well, working yeah, on and it. She will, she will hold it if she has to lay with it. Yeah. So, but unfortunately you're going to have to listen to her cry. I know. So we're working on it. Last night, she, she slept in the kennel for like two hours before Charlie came to bed, which was a, a good, like a real breakthrough. But then once he came to bed and we tried to put her back in, she cried for 45 minutes and I let her back in. So it's great. You know, it is what it is. So it, it, wishful thinking. We'll see where we end up. So it's, but it's just been a joy. It's been, that's been, you know, great and very grateful to have you know, when you think about businesses that are still open, you know, obviously we hear about grocery stores and, and all of that, but um, dog daycares in a lot of places, in, including in Chicago, are still open. And some people would say that's stupid that you need to take your dog to a dog daycare or whatever, but um, our dog daycare actually is very near Northwestern Hospital. And a lot of the people that they serve are Northwestern doctors and, and nurses. And I'll actually, it's Pups, Pups Play Care is where we take our, our dog to if you're in Chicago and you want a really fantastic daycare pup, or Pups Pet Club. Um, and they're fantastic. And like there was, I their CEO was telling a story about a woman who was a nurse at Northwestern and they open at 7 a.m. and she had to be at work at 7 a.m. And she was like saying to them, I don't think I'm going to be able to bring her here. I think I'm going to have to bring my dog to Michigan and leave her with my parents for a month because I have to work and you guys open, open at seven. And Dan, their CEO was like, I will come get her myself from your house at six 30 so that you can be at work and you can have your dog at home because you as a healthcare worker deserve mm -hmm. to have your pets with you. Yes. And so I've been very impressed with them. And then selfishly, it's been wonderful for us because it means we get to take for all to daycare two or three days a week. And so I can really get things done and Charlie can get things done and not have her, you know, bouncing around all day. Right. So thank God for those daycare workers. Well, it's been good to talk to you. I think, you know, it's been about an hour and I think we have sufficiently proven to the office baggage listeners, the few that we have left because people are not listening to podcasts. <laughs> you know, there's no commute. So we do like, we get the, I, I see the downloads. So I know every week there are, uh, you know, a few hundred people listening kind of thing, not as many as there used to be, but hopefully people will download when we get back to commuting. But I think we have sufficiently proven to those people who are listening that you are alive and well, and I have not buried you in the backyard. I could use the nap though, if you wanted to like hit me with a shovel. I know it's good, but I, I'm, you know, I think the podcast has been great. If people have been listening, go back and listen to some of the um, episodes that you've missed. Cause we've had really good conversations with some really cool women and there's more coming. So there's you good have things. 
You've done some great work. Um, I've kept pace with approximately 25% of them. Um, and I have quite a few earmarked for, I got to get to these. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I want to get to them when I'm in the headspace where I can really digest and make some notes. And that's, that's kind of hard to do right now. Like I it get is, it. it is. I've been, um, it's interesting. I've been the same way. I've been trying to listen to podcasts when I take Pearl for a walk, but I have been gravitating strongly to the ones that are like 20, 30 minutes yeah. and, you know, very digestible. And then same with like audible, like I've been, you know, I've, five really great books on Audible. And the one that I've been listening to is Jessica Simpson's uh, autobiography. What? A memoir of Jessica Simpson. (laughs) It's just, if you're in my generation and you, you know, you were in college when newlywed Nick and Jessica was on, it is trash. It is so good. She gives all the dirt. It's been a great listen. And it's actually pretty well written. I mean, she had a writer that helped her with it, but, um, it's been fantastic. So that's been my, this week and every like free moment I have sitting on the deck tanning, I'm listening to open, I think it's open book by Jessica Simpson. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll have to check that out. So vapid. Um, <laughs> love it. <laughs> oh, good. Well, Ray, hopefully we can do this again in a couple of weeks, but thanks for coming, coming back and showing everybody that you're still my partner on Office Day. Consistently, consistently. I'm, I'm, Thank you for nudging me to to get on the podcast again because it's been excellent chatting.